take your Bibles and turn with me to Romans chapter 12. Romans chapter 12. I'm sorry, what? Okay. All right. I just did not know what that meant. <laughs> All right. Who's the honey man? Who's the honey man? There you are, okay. You know, we ought to get together. Be, Vale, and the honey. We, we just ought to get together. I'm telling you, that's, that's great. I, I'm looking forward. We got some honey in our little bag too and take it home to my honey and we're going to enjoy it. Thank you so much. Uh, thank you, church, for being so thoughtful and uh, sweet and kind and generous in, in so many ways and hardworking and uh, thank you for making making this time a, a very special time for these preachers and myself. And thank you for whoever paid for the room. Thank you very much. Thank you for the uh, airplane uh, that you uh, paid for my ticket. Thank you so very much. Appreciate it. Glad to be here. Um, my heart is overwhelmed. Thirty-something uh, years ago, I had no idea that this young man would grow up to be the great man of God that he is and pastor this great church. I hope you know what you have in a man of God. I hope you know. I hope you appreciate. I hope you help him in the ministry that God has given him. I hope you work together, stay together, and do great things together. And one day God's going to reward all that. God is good. And uh, folks, you are blessed. And uh, not only am I very proud, pleased, uh, of Brother Ivan Yoder, his choices, his wife. She's precious. She gets up here and sings, and you can feel the heart. See, I, I've heard a lot of talented people before, which doesn't mean a whole lot to me. But when you got heart and talent, that's something else. And she's got a heart. And when she starts singing, her heart is revealed. And that means all the world to me. I have prayed all these many years to have a heart. There are better preachers than I. Far better preachers. There's smarter people than I, believe it or not. And there's some people that are, are almost as handsome as I. There's not a whole lot of things that I as a pastor can say that I can do as well as some of the others. But one of the things that I know that I can do is I can love the people. I can love them with all my heart. I can, I can preach to them the Word as God has put on my heart. And I can uh, take the Word of God and, and, and use the Word of God to try to uh, lead lost people to the Lord and lead saved people to a closer walk to Jesus Christ. One of the things that I've noticed through the years that what we really need in our church is having heart. Having heart for the things of God. Just having heart. And this morning, with God's help, I'm going to preach on the subject of having heart for a heart. Having heart for a heart. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, I pray that You'd help me to say what needs to be said. Lord, I thank You for the wonderful opportunity You've given me to stand before these dear people today. And I pray, Father, that as we uh, preach the Word, that the Holy Spirit would, would uh, lead us and guide us into all truth. 
And Father, that You will help us to receive the Word with thanksgiving. May lost people be saved. May saved people be encouraged. And as a result of being in the house of the Lord today, I pray that our heart would be enlarged. And Lord, that we would have a heart uh, for the things of God. May Thy will be done. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Romans chapter 12, if you would. Please turn there. Romans chapter 12. Look with me at verse 9. Romans chapter 12, verse 9. If you're there, say amen. If you're not there, say oh me. Alright, here we are. Romans chapter 12, verse 9. Let, let love be without dissimulation. That means without hypocrisy. You know, there's a whole lot of people that use the word love, but there's, there's no love there. A, a real loving pastor is going to tell you the truth, the whole truth, nothing but the truth, so help you God. He's going to tell you the truth. He's going to tell you there's a hell to avoid and heaven to gain. He's going to tell you that the, that the life that you can be living can be honoring and pleasing to God instead of uh, just making it easy for himself. You see, not everyone enjoys the preaching of God's Word. Not everyone enjoys uh, when, when the Bible is opened up, it opens you up and it, and it reveals us as we really are. The Bible says here, let love be, with, be without dissimulation. Abhor that which is evil. Cleave to that which is good. I, it, you know, that could be our points this morning. Right there. Uh, let love be without hypocrisy. Abhor, hate that which is evil. Cleave to that which is good. Hang on to it. In verse uh, 10, it says, be kindly affectioned one to another with brotherly love. In honor, preferring one, one another. Not slothful in business, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord. Rejoicing in hope, patient in tribulation, continuing instant in prayer. Let me stop just for a moment. Rome was not a wonderful place to live for the child of God. Rome, Rome, Rome had, some, had some awful things going on. And, and people were being persecuted. And, and life was not easy for them there. And yet, the Apostle Paul was writing to the church at Rome, telling them some things that they needed to practice and put to practice. And I believe that they, they had some issues and problems in these areas. And so Paul was, under the inspiration of God, was, was laying out what they needed to, to practice and, uh, and perform in their lives. And he told him, he says, be kindly affectioned one to another. But before that, he said, let love be without dissimulation, without hypocrisy. Let it be real. Abhor the evil. Cleave to that which is good. Be kindly affectionate uh, with brotherly love. He says, not slothful in business, fervent spirit, serving the Lord. Rejoicing in hope. Patient in tribulation. Continuing instant in prayer distributing to the necessity of saints, given to hospitality, telling them to be uh, concerned about people and care for people. He says, bless them which persecute you. He's reminding them again of, of the persecution that they're going through. Paul was not a stranger to persecution. He understood persecution. He, he, he was persecuted much of his Christian life. He died as a persecuted person. He, he, he knows all about it. Now folks, I, I don't mind suffering pain as long as it doesn't hurt. But when pain hurts, I don't like suffering pain. But they're going through pain. Uh, hurtful pain. And all kinds of things. And they're, uh, 
there, Paul is trying to encourage them in the process. He says, bless them which persecute you. Bless and curse not. How easy it would be to uh, get on the same level as your persecutors. In verse 15, he says, rejoice with them that do rejoice and weep with them that weep. Be of the same mind, one toward another. Mind not high things, but condescend to men of low estate. Be not wise in your own conceits. Recompense to no man evil for evil. Provide things honest in the sight of God. Uh, in, excuse me, in the sight of all men. If it be possible, as much as lieth in you, live peaceably with all men. You know, for some people, it's not possible. I've had impossible neighbors through the years. I've had impossible people to deal with through the years. You're just as nice as you can be. You're, you're trying to be sweet. You're trying to be kind. But, 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 but they're impossible to, to do business with or, or to talk to. I've knocked on doors. And they looked at me uh, and not too long ago. Uh, I knocked on the door. The lady st st uh, stepped out. She saw my little New Testament in my hand. And she, she jumped back in. She said, I don't want to have anything to do with that. I said, she said, I don't want to hear it. Now, how do you deal with someone impossible like that? As I walked off, I dropped a track by accident. Somebody's got to pick it up. Hopefully, it's that dear lady. Now, I could have walked off and just said, well, you're going to go to hell and you deserve it. Well, we all deserve going to hell. What we need to do is walk off pitying the person, realizing if they don't get saved, they're going to end up in a devil's hell. I wonder sometimes if knocking on doors uh, isn't uh, something that God uses when we're trying to lead someone to the Lord, give them an opportunity to be saved. If it's not God giving them an opportunity to respond, because one day they're going to stand before the white throne judgment. And God's going to say, I sent some soul winners your way. I sent the Bible Baptist Church your way. I sent so-and-so your way. There was a track that, uh, that I made sure went your way and you rejected it all. I wonder sometimes if that's not God taking away the excuse of the sinner as they stand before Him at the white judgment. He says, he says, provide things honest in the sight of all men. If it be possible, as much as life in you, live peaceably with all men. Uh, dearly beloved, avenge not yourselves, but rather give place unto wrath, for it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, saith the Lord. Have, have you noticed this, this, this theme here of being persecuted and suffering and trying to get along with impossible people? Have, have you noticed that, what he was trying to uh, tell the church there? And uh, then, he, then he says in, in verse 20, he says, Therefore, if I an enemy hunger, uh, feed him. If he thirst, give him drink. For in so doing, thou shalt heap coals of fire on his head. You know, when you do good to someone who does bad, that brings conviction. And it's the goodness of God that brings us to conviction. God is good. And if we can learn to be to present the goodness of God to others, uh, they'll be more attractive to drawing to Christ as a result. We see in verse 21, be not overcome of evil, but overcome evil with good. Paul is addressing the Romans, giving guidelines for them to serve one another. In Romans chapter 12, he tells the church to love, 
to honor, to be kind, to be prayerful, and to share with others, and to rejoice with them that do rejoice, and weep with them that weep. I believe he's trying to encourage them to have a heart uh, for, for people. And God's people ought to have heart for people. And there's all kinds of people out there. There's people that want what you have, and there's people that are going to reject what you have. And there's going to be people that will respond nicely, and there's going to be people that won't respond nicely. And I guess the thing that has hurt me through the years, it's not the heathen acting like a heathen, it's when the child of God acts like a heathen. That's what hurts me. It's not the, the heathen gossiper that gossips, it's the child of God that gossips and spreads unnecessary things. We ought to have heart for the people. Now I'm just wondering, can you be happy when a fellow church member gets a brand spanking new top-of-the-line leather seat four-wheel drive Jeep? Or possibly a motorcycle? Can you be happy about someone getting a, a pay raise? Can you be happy with someone getting a higher position at work than you or can you be happy with them getting undeserved recognition and honor? Paul is saying if it makes them happy, we ought to be happy. He's talking about us. It's it, 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 in Missouri. I was told by some farmers uh, it, this was kind of kind of funny. I, I still think it's funny, and I still remember it. Uh, uh, one farmer was telling me, "Well, they 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 parked their combine in that big building over there." Or behind the big building. I said, well, why do they do that? He said, they don't want the neighbors to see them with their new tractor. Because they'll say, where did you get the money to buy all that? Or they'll have some jealousy involved. And it's hard for, for, it's hard for people to feel good about other people that are benefiting. I remember going to pastor's meetings and uh, we, were, we were struggling. I mean, we were struggling in the ministry. This is back... Beville in the early days, we were absolutely struggling. We there were times that I wasn't I wasn't getting paid, wasn't going to get paid. Uh, it just it just wasn't there. And uh, we paid all the bills of the church and took care of things like that. And uh, I go to these preachers' meetings and and we had preachers uh, talking about oh the heavens uh, opened up and the blessings of God has fallen and and uh, they're building buildings of millions and millions of dollars and they're doing this and doing that and great and glorious things are happening and. And they're just so rejoicing in the Lord. And I'd try to be happy for them. And I'd go away from the meeting with a broken heart saying, Lord, can you do that for us? Lord, can you do that for us? Well, I, I learned through the years that you've just got to <laughs> gotta let God be God in your life. And sometimes uh, you're just going to go through some things. And, and if you've proven yourself faithful in these areas, then God is going to give you greater things to be faithful over. And you, you grow in the faith and grow in grace and, and God is able to bless you in a greater way. And instead of looking at everybody and being jealous over what they have and resentful for what God is doing for them, we ought to rejoice and weep with them that do weep. See, uh, I want a heart that can feel elation and jubilation and yet feel pity and pain and anguish for others. Can we rejoice with them that do rejoice and weep with them that weep? God's commandments are God's enablements. And He's telling us, 
to, uh, to rejoice with them that rejoice. Get happy with them that are happy and weep with them that weep. And God's commands are God's enablements. We've got to trust the Lord. In 1 Kings 3, and I, we don't have to turn there, but you'll, you'll recognize the story. Uh, Solomon wanted an understanding heart. God came to him in a dream. And God spoke to him and said some things. And uh, uh, Solomon was a man that was walking in the statues of his father David. And he saw that God blessed his father for walking in the statues of the Lord. And so he walked in the same statues of his father. The same commandments, the same word of God. And he loved God with all his heart, according to uh, 1 Kings chapter 3. He walked in the statues of David. You know, Jesus said, if you love me, keep my commandments. And his commandments are not grievous. You know, it's not one of those things, well, I've got to go to church on Sunday. Well, I've got to read my Bible. Well, I've got to go out knocking on doors. Well, I've got to teach a Sunday school class. Well, I've got to play the piano. I've got to sing a, a solo. I've got to do this. I've got to do this. There's surely somebody else that can do it. I just got to do it. No, 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 no. We don't got to do it. We get to do it. And we've got to see things a little differently. We, we are honored to be in the Lord's work. We're honored that the pastor thinks that we're capable enough to do something. When I go places, I, 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 I do my best to present myself to the pastor. If you think, whatever you want me to do, whatever you think I'm capable of doing, I'll do the best I can for that. In some cases, in one case, I had to sing a special. Nobody asked me to sing a special. I've never been asked to sing a special. And after I sung that special, I was never asked again. <laughs> I'll do whatever. I've humiliated my, my flesh many a times in the ministry uh, for the sake of Christ. I, I, want, I want His Word to go forward. And if, if, if uh, when I come a place, I, I don't expect to be treated like a king. I want to be treated... I want to be a servant uh, to the man of God. I don't want to, I don't want to put uh, stress and, and, and things on his plate and make it difficult for him to do what God's called him to do. I want to be a part of the plan that if he needs me to clean the church or, or clean the bathrooms, bless God, I'll do the best I can for God's glory. You know, we ought to have a heart uh, to serve the Lord. That was the type of person Solomon was. Jesus said, if you love me, keep my commandments. We also see that Solomon gave great sacrifices. Uh, he, he would offer great sacrifices. And this is all in the process of time of getting that heart that God, that he wanted to have, an understanding heart. Uh, he, he gave great sacrifice. By the way, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Now, God could have given the largest animal in the world as a sacrifice for us. He could have done that. He could have given the most expensive thing in the world as a sacrifice for us. And if that would have been his plan, that would have been fine. But he didn't do that. He gave the very best that he had. And what was the best that he had? The darling of his heart, Jesus Christ, God Almighty. And Jesus gave of himself. Don't you know it hurt God to give, but he loved us so much that he gave his only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. That's how good our God is. God is good. Well, uh, Solomon gave great sacrifices. And, and have you looked down in your heart and said, what have I given uh, for the Lord? Is it, 
Is it things that doesn't affect me at all? When we were building our building, uh, Brother Yoder, when we were building our building, uh, we couldn't build it on pocket change. It wasn't going to happen. And we found out that God blessed when we dug deep and gave sacrificially. We had people that, uh, that, that needed another car. And for three years, they put another car on hold and just prayed uh, that it would continue to run. But they gave what they would bought another car for to the church so that we could build the building. And then there were some that put retirement on hold and gave of their retirement. And there were others that gave all kinds. We found out that the previous generation for our older building, what they did is many of them put their homes uh, as equity or up, 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 am I saying it right? As equity uh, to, to uh, buy the church. And uh, we never asked anybody to do anything like that. But with God's help, we were able to do what we did. And we found out that when we gave sacrificially, God gave sacrificially. And it was one of those things I've never had so much and given so much during such trying times. And God blessed. And so what we need to do is learn how to give. And give with a, a generous heart and with a grateful heart and with the right attitude. God loves a cheerful giver. And why, why is it so difficult for us to give of our uh, physical resources when God has been so good and gave the very best that He had so that we can have eternal salvation? God is good. Solomon gave great sacrifices. Solomon had a, had a dream. Verses in 5, 6, 7, 8, all the way down to verse 13. We see the dream. Uh, and, and let me say that dreams consist of that which you see, which you hear, what you do, what you think, what you feel, what you experience, what you imagine, and what you hope for both consciously and unconsciously. Uh, when, when you see things consciously and unconsciously, or you think thoughts and stuff like that, and you lay down at night, it all just gets scrambled up. <laughs> and just, Lord only knows what you're going to dream. Okay? Now there's some people that take stock in their dreams. Now before the completion of the Bible, God used dreams. Uh, but since the completion of the Bible, He expects us to trust His Word. Okay, Trust His Word. Okay, Now, uh, don't trust in the flesh. Trust His Word. Now, those that are guided by emotions rather than the Word of God, uh, they trust these dreams that they have. And like I said, when you see things in, in sub, uh, consciously and subconsciously, and you lay down and you all get scrambled up, and man, there's all kinds of things. You know, I've had some real interesting dreams. And in every dream that I've ever had, I'm the hero. I kill the aggressors. I mean, it's incredible some of the things that I have done. I'm never the one that gets killed. I'm always the one that's the hero of the story. I don't have any confidence in physical dreams. But before the completion of the Bible... Solomon had a dream. His dream, in his dream, and it revealed his heart, was to have an understanding heart. A wise heart for God's people. You don't know the times that your pastor spends in his office or the wee hours of the morning dreaming about what great things God can do amongst you. And he comes up with the excitement that, that, that he has and he presents the truth to you folks. And, and you're not going to feel what he feels. Because he's the pastor. He's the one that God is leading to move that direction. 
And you're not going to feel the same thing that he feels. Uh, parents have dreams for their children. Uh, they, they raise their kids. They keep them separated from the world. They keep them in church. They, they're trying to uh, encourage them in the things of God to grow up to do great and glorious things for God. We have dreams and sometimes those dreams can be shattered. Uh, pastors have dreams of what great things they can do for God through His church. As the Lord leads, then He's trying to lead the church. We need to work together and cooperate uh, so that great things can happen. Solomon's dream, he understood he, he was young. He said, I'm, I'm just a child. I'm inexperienced. He was about 20 years old. 20-year-olds don't think that they're just a child. 45-year-olds think 20-year-olds are. And when you get to be 67, they really think that uh, 20-year-olds are kids. But he felt like he was just a child and he was 20 years old. He understood the authority involved in leading God's great people. And we have a responsibility, uh, Brother Yoder, in leading God's people. One of these days, we're going to stand before God and we're going to give an account for everybody. Everybody, things that we said, things that we didn't say. Uh, attitudes that we might have had. Reactions that we might have had. We're going we're gonna to stand before God and give an account for all that. Solomon wanted an understanding heart. And we see that he got God's approval, God's wisdom, and got riches and honor to boot as a result of having the right heart on having a heart. The psalmist in the Scriptures wanted a fixed heart. Now that could be focused on certain things or it could be a broken heart that needed repair. Down in Texas, I don't know what you folks say a lot, but we use the term fixing. We're fixing to go to the store. We're fixing to eat. We're fixing to have church. But we use that term all the time. The psalmist wanted a fixed heart. He said, my heart is fixed, O God. My heart is fixed. I will sing and give praise. He said, Oh God, my heart is fixed. I will sing and give praise even with my glory. He said, He shall not be afraid of evil tidings. His heart is fixed, trusting in the Lord. I think that we ought to be focused. I think our hearts ought to be focused and fixed upon the Lord and upon the things of God. If we are, that would be the way we would travel. And that's what we ought to do. And so we see the psalmist here, his heart was fixed on heaven. We ought to desire to have a what we call a transparent heart. In, in Proverbs 27, verse 19, as uh, in, in water, face uh, uh, answered face, uh, so the man of, so the heart of man to man. Uh, you know, when you, when, you, when you come in contact with people, it don't take you long to know their heart. I have this man in church that he joined our church. He's an older man. Um, he's really old, about 67 or so. And um, anyway, he joined the church, and, and so I went down with him, and he's got this woodworking shop and stuff like that. And I have seen so many preachers through the year take advantage uh, of, of making merchandise out of their people and taking advantage of them and always, always getting the advantage instead of letting the church member take advantage of them. They, they're, they're the ones that get the, the advantage. 
And so I'm not going to be one of those preachers. Just not going to do it. I'm just not going to be that kind. And uh, so uh, I went down and, and uh, we had some uh, doings together and he was doing some word working and he was showing me some things and I was working on some things and he, he used some of his equipment and sander and, and, and used up his sander. And, and this man has, has you, could, you could take 10 of my salaries and it, it wouldn't touch what he's, what he's got. <laughs> I mean, he's, he's well off, okay? So it would be easy to think it's okay to let him suffer loss. And, um, and I, I couldn't do that. And so I, I, I tried to give him some money for, this, for the sander that he used and this and that, and he, he just wouldn't hear it. So I just kind of, uh, when he wasn't looking, I put some money off to the side and walked out and, and went back home. Well, before long, we had something else that we were doing together, and I just looked at him. I said, brother, I just cannot take advantage of you. He said, Pastor Stowe, he said, I knew you for five minutes. And I could tell you, you weren't one of those kind of preachers. Now, he's met a lot of those kind of preachers that have taken advantage of him because he's a wealthy man. He said, it took me five minutes to know that you're not. I said, well, thank you. God bless you. And I hope I never am that kind of a person. I would rather uh, have things taken advantage of me than to be taken advantage of others. In other words, we need that transparent heart. Uh, we need to be around people and you be so real that they can see your heart and know that you're real. That's what I like about your preacher's wife. When she stands up here and sings, you see her heart. You sense her spirit. You feel it. You know. Okay? And uh, she's got talent. But even if she didn't, just that heart speaks volumes to me. It prepares me to attack hell with a squirt gun. That's what it does. I'm telling you what, it does something for me. Uh, to see a sincere heart. Uh, Brother West standing over here with the kids you know, <laughs> good night. He's just a little older than they are. But boy, he had some excitement, didn't he? Getting up there and, and, and I, I thought, well, I'm going to try to do this. Okay. Um, and the, you, I didn't know it all, but man, I was trying to follow him. You can't teach an old dog new tricks, but I'm trying. Uh, but, but, but I found out that he and I are the same age. Uh, I just happened to look like his big old brother. Uh, but I saw that. And, and you could see the heart. The heart is, he's trying to get the ministry across. He's trying to do what he can do uh, for the glory of God. And that's the way it ought to be. We ought to be, have that transparent heart where people can sense and see and know that you mean business with God. I believe that lost people would come uh, to a saving knowledge of Jesus quicker if they saw a transparent heart. Transparent heart. I sure believe that we ought to pray and ask God to help us to have that heart. Uh, to have that heart that, that people can see and sense and know that you've got a heart after the things of God. What are some of those things of God? I think the, your testimony. God saved you. Look what Jesus went through to get you saved. I think there ought to be a heart on those things. I think there ought to be a heart on the Word of God that you have. I don't think it ought to be a book amongst many books. I think it ought to be the Word of God. The complete, inerrant, infallible Word of God. And you and I have it. That's one of the things of God that people ought to uh, see our heart and our love and commitment to the Word of God. How about to the house of God? Man, God is so good. You, you've got, you folks have such a beautiful facility. Beautiful, comfortable chairs. No wonder the preachers can stand up here and go on for hours. You're so comfortable. It's beautiful. 
facility-wise, it's beautiful. We thank God that uh, we can come and, and see what you got and, and just rejoice with you. But I think that your heart ought to express your love and your commitment to your church that Jesus died for. And, and who did God give you to lead the church? He gave you this dear brother. I'm trying to remind people constantly, take advantage of what you have because he, one day it's not going to be there. Now, he may not die of old age, but he could die a whole lot other ways and go to heaven before us. He can. And won't it be a wonderful thing to say, man, I supported him. I loved him. I, I, nobody can blame me for hindering the church. I'm here to help. And I'm, I'm offering my service. If the man of God believes that this is God's will for me to teach this Sunday school class or do this or do that, uh, count me in. And I believe that that heart to serve would involve anything. Including some of those distasteful things that nobody likes to do. In fact, I've had people come to me through my years of pastoring saying, Pastor, I want to do something, but I want to do something that nobody else wants to do. I said, okay, you are absolutely uh, general in charge of the bathrooms. You have bathroom uh, duty. See to it that they're clean. And uh, sometimes that lasts about one week. People don't mind serving until they find out there's work involved. And when there's work involved, then all of a sudden they're, they're not able to do it. I think we ought to be committed to the things of God and the church and the pastor is part of it. I think we ought to love each other as a congregation. Everybody's different. We all have different lives that we come from. I don't have time to tell you this story, but I will tell you this much. At 67, last January, I found out that my dad wasn't my dad. My mother played the part of a harlot. I'm the product of a bad relationship of a whoremonger and my mother playing the part of a harlot. I found out that my four other siblings don't have the same dad either. We never knew that until January. I'm still trying to figure out who I am. Either I'm a, I'm not a stove. That's, that's, uh, I'm not bloodline to the stoves. I'm either a weaver or a baker. I'm having a hard time finding that out. But I do know that I'm a Christian. And God is my Heavenly Father. Everybody's got different backgrounds. Everybody, everybody, everybody's got a burden. But, and some you know about and some you don't know about. But everybody. And sometimes we've got that look of burden on our face. Uh, but, but we're trying to be happy about everything. And instead of saying, well, oh, they're sour today. Why don't we just say they might have a burden that we don't know about. And just learn how to encourage each other in the things of God. That's having heart. And if we're going to go forward as a church, we're going to have to have that heart. Let's ask God to give us that heart. If you've never been saved, today is the day of salvation. This is the place. Now is the time. You're the person. Let's everyone stand with our heads.